If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, like, and share so we can find others like yourself. BitcoinBasicsPodcast.com So with Bitcoin, it is regulated, but regulated by the people, Um, not by one person, not by a bunch of PhDs or bankers sitting in a room by themselves with zero accountability. Welcome to the Bitcoin Basics Podcast with your hosts Ferris, that's me, and Gordon from CoinCompass.com, enabling you to safely buy and securely store your Bitcoins. All resources are in the show notes and description, including our full disclaimer. Visit BitcoinBasicsPodcast.com to subscribe and discover other free content. You ready? Yeah, when you are. I'm waiting on you. You're like turning down. It's not good for our YouTube audience. They they want to see your face. I'll look up when you start talking. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to another Bitcoin Basics podcast with your host, Gordon. That's me. And we are on day 14 of 30. How's it going in the bunker, Faris? I'm doing very well in my bunker. Thank you, Gordon. Excellent. You want to give us the uh, block heights? Sure. So we are at block 624,487. And according to Bitstamp, the price of Bitcoin is sitting at 6,769. And in the non-Bitcoin world, Gordon, what does that translate to? 5th of April, 2020. So I'll go ahead and even though this is part two, I'll go ahead and play the question again. Hi. I understand Bitcoin is like a virtual currency, so it's nothing in the physical form. In that case, how is it stored and who regulates it? Where, where do you see, is there a bank that, that shows what you have? Or how, what records it's kept for it? Okay, uh, please listen to our previous episode where we answered the first half of that. In the second half, it was asked, what is recorded? So I'll, I'll take a list quickly because it's fairly straightforward. In the blockchain, which is this distributed ledger, this giant spreadsheet that everyone has access to that is public and open, there's many things that are recorded. But basically, from a user's point of view, from our point of view, there, there are really only four things. One is the timestamp. One is the uh, who are you sending from. The other is who are you sending to, and the other is the amount. So when you think about it, it's really like any kind of bank transaction. The only difference, well, a huge difference is that the from and to are seemingly random long string of numbers, which by the way, they're not, but they are Bitcoin addresses. So that's what's recorded on this blockchain, this digital ledger, which remembering going back to our last podcast, anyone can look at. You just need a block explorer, the equivalent of a web browser. And the one that we like is blockstream.info. So you can actually check your own Bitcoin addresses. And if you really want to, you can, for example, if you sent money to someone else, you can then check what they did with their money and, and so on and so forth. So it really is this chain of transactions that exist um, for all time. The second part of the question, or the second half, looked at regulation. So, Faris, who regulates Bitcoin? 
So with this one, um, and this is something that can make a lot of people uncomfortable in that Bitcoin is actually regulated and it's regulated by the people that are involved, by the miners, essentially. And this makes people uncomfortable because you kind of think, well, you know, you've got a president of a country, you've got the CEO of a corporation. So they're, we're just used to having one person who's in charge. And that's not the case with Bitcoin. Now, that is actually a very good thing. Uh, reason being is because um, any changes to Bitcoin, any software approvals have to go what's called, through what's called consensus, which basically means everyone is voting as to what upgrades Bitcoin can get. And if they think it's going to be detrimental, they're not going to do it. The reason I say it's a good thing is, um, you know, the date that we are looking at today with this um this medical epidemic has actually um, opened up the financial world and a lot of people are appearing behind the curtain here to see that, that once again, since 2008, central banks, governments have been up to no good. In our previous podcast, I mentioned how many trillions and quadrillions of dollars is basically um, out there, how much debt there is in the system, and it's starting to unravel now. Um, so yeah, they have not made very good decisions, these people who were unelected, um, and made these decisions without any consultation from the public, but without any accountability as well. So with Bitcoin, it is regulated, but regulated by the people, um, not by one person, not by a bunch of PhDs or bankers sitting in a room by themselves with zero accountability. So I know this is one of those things where it is a bit of a... Um, a mental stretch where you got to like trust that people who are doing something voluntarily are actually doing a job better than people being paid for it. So anyone listening, have you ever heard of Encarta? Now, Encarta was a dictionary that, sorry, not a dictionary, it was an encyclopedia released by Microsoft, the corporation. So at, at the time, probably the largest corporation in the world. And they released for $110 a year, I think that number's right, you could um, buy a subscription to Encarta. But at the same time, Wikipedia was being developed. Wikipedia was being released for free. No one knew who was writing for Wikipedia. It was open source. And had you told people at the time, Encarta's going to fail and Wikipedia's going to take off, no one would have believed you. Absolutely no one would have believed that was the case. But that's where we are today. People use Wikipedia every day. No one's heard of Encarta. Bitcoin is basically the Wikipedia of finance. It is run by people who got in voluntarily. The difference is Wikipedia asks for donations. With Bitcoin, the way that you are involved in Bitcoin is if you're earning Bitcoin, you're buying Bitcoin, you basically want it to maintain and strengthen in value and appreciate in value. So Bitcoin is regulated by the people involved. Do you want to learn how to safely buy and securely store your Bitcoins? CoinCompass.com is running a free two-hour webinar on Sunday, 31st of May. To register and for more details, visit CoinCompass.com forward slash webinar. I'm really worried about that answer, Faris, because you're saying that Bitcoin is self-regulated, but doesn't that mean that things can be used for bad purposes? Like, isn't Bitcoin used for drugs and money laundering and all kinds of evil stuff? So I'm not going to lie and says it hasn't. It has. However, it's not as efficient as cash. 
cash is f- untraceable. The origins of cash, you cannot figure out where they came from. Whereas with Bitcoin, you can actually trace that to addresses. And you really need to know what you're doing to do something privately and anonymously on Bitcoin. And we, you can correct me here, Gordon, but with the, I even forgot the name of the hack that happened in London where they hit the uh, NHS and the London tube. Um, and they demanded Bitcoins and they've actually been unable to get access to those Bitcoins because they'll be able to trace the hackers. I actually haven't heard of that. No, that case. No, it was a it was a popular one. Uh, it was about two years ago, but I'll, I'll have to look it up. But essentially, that's that's yeah. With to make Bitcoin transactions anonymous and private, it's actually very difficult. Um, you yeah, you really need to know what you're doing. You have to have a high level of um, experience in what you're doing. So, with cash, it's a hell of a lot easier. If I was a terrorist or money launderer or wanted to do something uh, uh, devious and illegal, um, the last thing that I would use is a public, open blockchain like Bitcoin. Because guess what I'd use? I'd meet someone around the corner and pay with US dollars or some sort of uh, notes that couldn't be tracked. Because um, you bet your bottom dollar there are every single three-letter agency looking at the blockchain, running sort of algorithms against a blockchain, crunching the numbers to determine who sent what to what. And as we uh, described in the last podcast, even though it looks like the from and the to in terms of the transaction are seemingly random numbers, your Bitcoin addresses, they're not. And so that one transaction might not be able to be tracked, but eventually you can track it down to some kind of real world identity, whether it be some sort of Bitcoin exchange or some website or, or something. So the last thing I'd be using if I was a criminal is uh, Bitcoin. Yep, couldn't agree more. So um, to finish off, and I won't be long with this, but um, I think I may have discussed the sort of the two layers of Bitcoin before. As Faris said, you can't regulate Bitcoin. Um, people will try, but Bitcoin is software. And I like to use an, an email analogy because it's quite similar. As far as I know, I don't know about you, Faris, but there are no email police. If I send you a a blank subject line, as far as I know, that's not illegal. So it's very difficult to regulate software. It's very difficult to regulate a protocol, which is basically what Bitcoin is. So email, the technology cannot be regulated. However, the companies around email, Yahoo, Gmail, your internet service provider, all all kinds of other companies, they can be regulated. Those companies are public. Those companies have an address. Those companies have a head office. Of course, they can be regulated in whatever jurisdiction. So So for Bitcoin, that's Bitcoin exchanges. Bitcoin exchanges are the most heavily regulated businesses. And especially if you're in the U.S., you bet your bottom dollar that the governments have their hooks into every single Bitcoin exchange. And uh, that's that's just how it works. So uh, Bitcoin is self-regulated. The software, the technology, as Faris mentioned, uh, the miners, I think it probably broken into three. I would say it's the users like us, it's the miners and it's the developers. And uh, each of them have incentives to keep the system honest and to make very minimal changes so that it's stable and secure. But no one of these three parties controls the network or can regulate it by themselves, like what Ferris said. 
So um, just like mathematics, uh, two plus two equals four can't be regulated. Neither can Bitcoin. Yeah, and that's something I actually didn't answer was, yeah, governments have tried to regulate Bitcoin, but to be honest, they don't even understand it that well, and they can't. It is decentralized. Uh, we, I would actually encourage you to listen to our podcast on mining to understand how this works as well. But in essence, yeah, they just can't. If they wanted to, they simply cannot do it. Which freaks, which freaks people out, by the way. My dad is an accountant, and it's like, I don't get it. Who controls it? Who makes changes? Who regulates it? It's just you go going around and around in a circle. And I've been talking to my dad about Bitcoin for the last three, four years, but he comes from an accounting background. And of course, that's heavily regulated. You have government audits. You have private audits. You have all kinds of um, stipulations and laws and regulations. And even internally, there's processes and procedures. So yeah, look, it's, it, it is difficult to understand because it's, it's this intangible abstract asset and concept that, that really you, you can't regulate. And it's, yeah, some people just can't get their heads around that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's similar to the internet, I guess. The internet in itself can't be regulated, but the businesses that um, provide the hardware, the software and whatever surrounding the internet can be regulated. Cool. Well, I'm hoping we've answered that one, Gordon. Um, yeah, and thank you everyone for listening. And just a reminder, if you have any questions or if we haven't answered your question, please go to coincompass.com forward slash ask. And Gordon, we actually have a free webinar coming up. What can people learn in this webinar? Yeah, our first webinar is free. So if you head to coincompass.com slash free, you will learn how to safely buy and securely store your Bitcoins. So a lot of people might even have Bitcoins, but you're only doing half of it. You need to be able to store your Bitcoins away from an exchange and do it with the best security hygiene and best practices available. So head across to coincompass.com slash webinar to sign up and you'll get more details with the dates and exact content that we're going to cover. Okay, so that does it for this podcast. We will catch you in the next one. Thanks for watching or listening. Please visit coincompass.com free to register to our socials and discover other free content. Subscribing, liking, and following helps this content remain ad-free. Until next time.